Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. Hi, everyone. I'm back. Have you missed the podcast for the last few weeks? I have been very hard at work interviewing lots of new weavers to share with you, and I'm oh so excited to share today's episode with you right now. Before we get started, I want to share a few things with you. First, my weaving yarn shop, Gist, turned one year old last week. It's hard to believe I've been already at this for a year, slash only at this for a year, and I'm really deeply grateful for this weaving community that has been supporting my shop and this podcast and inspiring me and all of us to keep creating at our looms. I have a lot of plans and dreams in store for the next year, which include working on milling a new line of weaving yarn made in the US. And there's gonna be some stories of the process of developing that yarn that I'm gonna share on this podcast. I'm also creating some special subscription boxes just for rigid heddle weavers, which is also something I'm gonna be talking about on the podcast soon. And I'm working on some new weaving tools to share with you, as well as some other plans and dreams that are up my sleeve that I can't share quite yet. The best way to stay in the loop about all of this, if you're interested, is to follow Gist Yarn, that's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N, on Facebook and Instagram, and to sign up for my email newsletter on my website, gistyarn.com. Today, I'm talking to Shogo Hirata and Lisa Roos, two artists behind the cross-cultural weaving collaboration, Intertradition. Many of you might have already seen their gorgeous work on Instagram. Shogo is a Japanese textile artist based in Gothenburg, Sweden, and Lisa is a Swedish textile artist based in Stockholm. With Intertradition, they take inspiration from the Swedish weaving and pattern tradition and filter this through a Japanese traditional weaving technique, creating what they call intertraditional fabric. Lisa and Shogo, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you both on the podcast today. Thank you for coming on. And I'm wondering if you could start out by introducing yourselves and sharing how you first met. Yeah. yeah okay. Sure. You can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm I'm Lisa. I guess you understood that already. Uh, but we met actually at um, at uh, the same school that we went to for what is it? Five years ago. Yeah, 2012, 2012 or something. No. Uh, we started at the school Capella uh, Gordon at Erland, It's a Swedish craft school. Uh, so we both went there at the same time, uh, so that's when we get to know each other. But uh, I, I went to another school before that and I also continued to study textile craft or mainly weaving after that. And we tried to find already then we were talking about some kind of collaboration or some way to work together. But since we, we are also living in different cities in Sweden, so it was it took a bit time for us to to figure out what projects mm-hmm. to do. But now, uh, so in 2016, we started this together. The Intertradition, project Intertradition, we started 2016, summer. Yeah, summertime, and then officially we started it like by Instagram and everything in September, I think, mm-hmm. the same year. Yes. So Yeah, we've been working with it for about two years now. <laughs> yeah, well, so I would love to talk a lot about your collaborations, but to get started, could you each share how you own own individually came to weaving and textiles and why you ended up going to art school for that? Yeah, sure. Should I start? Okay. Yeah, 
Uh, my name is Shogo. I was uh, uh, I was a graphic designer in Japan. I was working as a graphic designer for five years uh, uh, as a professional in Japan in Osaka, and then I moved moved to moved to Sweden uh, where I met Lisa uh, and studied uh, started to study at Capelagode uh, where I met Lisa. Uh, and there I studied, we studied we, weaving textile and craft. textile craft, weaving yeah. and text, uh, uh, dyeing or printing. printing or different kind of textile craft. Um, and then... Uh, uh, after school I moved to Gothenburg. Uh, which is uh, coast side of the yeah, west coast west side, coast of, side Sweden. of Sweden, and then I started to work with my own uh, individual works, textile works, and mainly I'm working with uh, uh, dyeing or uh, sewing clothes, uh, making clothes, and uh, different kind of. Um, uh, uh, other type different kind of technique from a different um, uh, field, for example, analog photographs on uh, clothes or textile and so on. And uh, yes, I'm, uh, since I started work, to, uh, since I started uh, work at, uh, by my own, it's been four years, mm -hmm. yeah, something like that. You kind of yes. developed yourself into a garment designer since mm -hmm. you went to the school. Yes. Yeah. And uh, my background is, I've been working with textile in one way or another my whole life, I think. Uh, but I decided to study uh, craft and design in Sweden in 2010. Uh, and that was a school where I could also work with wood and metal and uh, different kind of textile. But, and also we had like just art class because uh, I wanted to try other materials to see if it was like if I would maybe like other materials or if I the reason that I like textile was only because I had textiles around me or not but I ended up working mainly with textile anywhere that anyway there and then I continued to this school where me and Shogo met after that and I went there for also for two years uh, studying mainly weaving some other textile crafts as well. But then I continued to a school school where in Stockholm where I could do, uh, where I can really go into textile crafts and weaving. And I also have my, uh, there I took the, as, as um, what do you say, like exam work or my last uh, examination was uh, the journeyman certificate in handloom weaving profession. So that's a really craft-based textile school. Um, and that's my, background into that. Uh, I I always had textiles, like my my grandmother was weaving and I, we couldn't talk to each other since, since she is Finnish and I'm Swedish and I don't know Finnish and <laughs> she doesn't know Swedish. But uh, we I was I spent a lot of time there when I was a child and we were like the only way we could communicate was through the textile crafts. So I always that's I had it around me a lot. Uh, so yeah, that's my background into the craft. Um, yeah, and then, mm -hmm. uh, so on Capella Gordon, where we studied together, I was mainly weaving and you were mainly like figuring yeah. out how to make clothes. 
Yes, also the hand weaving and also dyeing or, and also uh, a lot of uh, screen printing. But uh, yeah, I focused on uh, uh, making clothes. That's uh, my, that was uh, my biggest uh, interest. Mm. Mm? And yes. you both mentioned that about two years ago you started intertradition. Can you explain oh. what that is for people who might not have heard of it? Uh, it's a craft exchange project by us too, where, where we so far are studying the like Japanese and Swedish craft and uh, trying to uh, combine combine yeah. them in uh, different ways. So our main like uh, project in this project, or you can say, uh, is this inter-traditional fabric that we have been making together with uh, Shimogawa Orimono. Um, so that's the what should we say like the yeah the in the oh what's the word for that <laughs> if we if we specify like we are uh, we weave uh, uh, or we uh, we made kurume uh, kasuri which is Japanese tradition uh, with Swedish textile traditional uh, weaving. Yeah, with, inspira pattern. with inspiration from the Swedish textile history and the weaving pattern tradition there is in Scandinavia. That's our like source of inspiration and what we took with us into this Japanese textile craft. So it's the, the meeting between a traditional Japanese textile craft and the history of Swedish textiles that are combined into this fabric. Mm. And by showing in both countries, we try to find or highlight uh, Japanese traditional craft and the Swedish traditional craft uh, uh, as uh, both exotic and uh, uh, some, something familiar to them. What to say? Yeah, exactly. That's the the like the concept of an traditional fabric is trying to find something that belongs in two cultures, or in, in this case, it's two cultures, but still feels maybe. Uh, both new and um, uh, like common for you, and uh, like no matter which country you are from. Mm -hmm. uh, does that make sense for you? Or <laughs> it it does, and I also imagine that it was really challenging, especially as you were getting started. What was your process of working together to to figure out what your voice together would be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was very interesting. And and since <laughs> since both of us are not really like we have no so um uh, how you say like we have not so much experience of collaborations. Hmm. Uh, no. So we were we, working as individuals. Yeah, all we the were time working and, uh, like that all the time and we were kind of like or we talked about that in the beginning that this will be very challenging for both of us to do mm -hmm. to, to to design something together since both of us are quite picky and <laughs> want mm -hmm. to have it Mm. And uh, and we were thinking like oh maybe we will like stop being friends after this but we <laughs> we, <laughs> we figure out a really good like way to or a process that have been working very well that mm. we first of all we decided very early like this is this will become something new this will not be like Lisa's textile or Shogo's textile this is mm. a new thing mm. and so we have to like kind of uh, exercise ourselves in letting go like. And in the same way, in the collaboration with Shemangawa Orimono, of course, we don't have the possibility to have it exactly our way, or we, and also we don't want to have it our way. We want him and his the the weaver, the weaving master at 
that weaving mill to contribute or what do you say like to add their experience and knowledge so th that's a big part of the whole project when we decide to let someone else in uh, we let them in with all of their experience knowledge taste and ideas so it will be, they will also somehow be shown in whatever they, they adding. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. I do. Can you, can you describe one of the favorite pieces that you guys have worked on together through this collaboration over the last two years? Oh. The, that's really hard. I mean, yeah, really. Have a, uh, uh, There's so many levels of collaboration. Yeah, the big, uh, the, one of the important, most important parts of this project was to uh, document processes. Yes, mm. and we, uh, since we ordered or we decided the design and let uh, them uh, let them work, uh, we visited uh, two times together during the yes. during the processes. Yeah, and uh, we documented uh, uh, like pic take, took pictures and asked what they are doing and helped a little bit. Like they, we couldn't do it almost anything, but uh, we helped a little bit to be able to understand what they are doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, their processes, uh, their process took uh, eight months to make our fabric. Mm. And uh, we made mm -hmm. a, a process chart out of it. And uh, that part for me was very big or very important and also yeah, it's fun. Very, yeah, it's, mm. like, it's a very challenging part to, because for both of us it's extremely important that it, we get it right. We don't want to, like, uh, how should I say it? Like, uh, like how the craft is made. That's very important to us that to, to, to describe it in the right way, because mm. that's also a way of showing uh, how... Uh, Oh, I feel like I'm losing the English word now. But um, how? Ah, oh, help me. Um, <laughs> like, um, now maybe it's come back to me. But um, okay. it's it's so many details into it, and that's what we're trying to show with mm -hmm. making this like process chart with more than thirty different steps into how how to make a kudumikasuri fabric mm. and uh, to really make it in the right way since I'm not talking Japanese but I'm a weaver so maybe I know uh, like a lot of the weaving terms but and Shogo knows Japanese so we have to like find this way of getting it right in both Japanese and English and also like later on Swedish since mm. we will make a Swedish version uh, mm. and it's so many like uh, it really like puts your like communication um, skills on tests, <laughs> like how to understand something that is so detailed and uh, at the same time also like very important. It's so easy to get it wrong since there's so many details, mm. and uh, that's been very fun and interesting for us to. We put so much time into this, mm. um, and trying to like talking to these workers that, of course, only speak Japanese and. Uh, it's, it's been very interesting. Like for me, it's so interesting to learn about about this. In it's the same way as how I worked with my grandmother. I feel like craft is an international language. Like in one way, you don't need to know the words for it because you can see it. But still, if you're gonna translate translate it into to a written uh, process chart, of course, we need to know it by uh, words as well. But yeah, it's been very extremely interesting.
Mm. Yes. So the mill that you partner with in Japan, how did you find them and how did you develop this relationship with them? That could be very interesting for you because <laughs> it's, uh, we found it, uh, we found a mill, weaving mill uh, through social media, which is um, Instagram. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, maybe you are following too. Uh, the account is uh, uh, Shimogawa Kyozo, I think, uh, and he's showing um, uh, uh, weaving processes, only weaving processes, and uh, he has quite many followers. So uh, while we, while we are in while. Uh, I was in Sweden, or we were in Sweden. Like I found uh, uh, his uh, weaving mills through Instagram. That's kind of a funny part. And then we contacted immediately, and then we asked uh, if we can do something together. Mm. And then a uh, few months after, uh, I was uh, planning to go back to Japan uh, to meet my family, and then I visited there too. So that was the first uh, contact with them. And so, and oh, go ahead. No, I just said that the, the reason also, or like the, that, we find it, find him or this weaving mill through Instagram kind of uh, got our hopes up that we could that maybe since they were using such a modern channel to to reach mm -hmm. out to the world, we felt like maybe that. That would also mean that they could be interested in an international collaboration, because, uh, or at least I had an idea about like Japanese, or not maybe only Japanese, but it's, it could be hard to to just visit like this craft mill somewhere in the world, and there are not maybe all of them that are. I, I don't know if I should say open, but maybe it was like, it felt like maybe it could be mm. hard to make this kind of collaboration with someone. But since they were already on Instagram, we felt like, oh, maybe they are interested to make mm. something. To so we contacted him and uh, yeah, he's, he's been very open to, uh, yes. he had done earlier some international collaboration, but not in the same way as this project. It's more like some someone have found him and wanted to make a fabric, but it's been maybe more, uh, not so official project or not so official art piece or uh, but so he was very interested in making something there where we could also help to spread his fabric or put them in another context because most of the fabric they sell is in a very traditional context like for clothes or for uh, what's this traditional uh, festival that they make the kimonos for oh, the, or the hapa costume or not costume of course, but it's like uh, the uh, for the Japanese uh, tradi traditional uh, festivals, like uh, not like kimono, yeah. it's like more yukata, but it's hap yeah, it's called happy. Yeah, mm. and that's of course like a very um, oh, I'm losing the word. A very good thing to be, or like mm, oh, yeah, they, <laughs> you, they, they are of course very happy and grateful to be able to do fabric for such an occasion, mm. but. It's, something like our project could be maybe interesting or put as i said put their fabric in different contexts and that could be very interesting for them to work with as well so did they have to change their processes because the fabric you were making was outside of just the traditional fabric that they make or was it pretty similar for them we, we wanted to make it like, it's exactly the same yeah. oh, okay okay 
don't change any processes, but they change the way to pro, uh, to approach um, mm. uh, customers. Yeah, since we are exhibiting this fabric in uh, in galleries or in different like ways, that's not so traditional for them to showing their fabric in that way, and that's new and fun for them. Mm-hmm. But or yeah. Um, and you mentioned that there's 30 steps that go into creating the fabric. Could you describe some of the process of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it took actually eight months since, uh, yeah, I told you, but it took eight months. And uh, uh, yeah. What they are you know? like, uh, we have started our process charts from like the design part, the mm-hmm. process of designing, and that's me and Shogo only. But then uh, it goes from that and to like uh, adjust everything technical based for the looms and the time machines. And then it's so many like it's the dyeing and the washing and the drying and all of those small steps that maybe you don't think so much about when you see a fabric, but there is so many steps. Mm-hmm. And this Kasuri is also a resist dyeing technique. All the pattern is in the dyeing. And so it's so many more steps about only that part. The actual weaving is not as advanced. It's tabby, the, the most like mm-hmm. uh, simple way of weaving. But I wouldn't say that this weaving is simple because there is uh, instead then in this technique, there are so many, you have to adjust and make the pattern fit all the time. So you have to pay attention in how to fit the, the pattern all the time uh, so it's a very advanced weaving anyway even if it's a tabby uh, if you understand what I mean with that sure yeah yeah uh, but yeah we can check our our process chart a little quickly and we can see if there is something mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's we can we can uh, like as we said to be starting from we are starting from designing, and then there's a specific person to make a draft uh, uh, from our design into like spe- special paper, where uh, where she can calculate everything, how many threads uh, uh, they need, and uh, how how much they sh- how much it shrink in the end, and then it starts. Uh, Maybe we cost- can just read all of them. Do you yeah. want to just say the names? It's- yeah, please. Uh, and then, so from after like the we the, the, the signing part, we yeah. we have decided to start on bleaching. Uh, so then it's uh, yeah warp, now warp bleaching. Yeah, so if now we follow the warp and the weft at the same time, so maybe some things will be repeated. Uh, but then it's bleaching, winding, tying, and then winding, bleaching, tying, dyeing, starching, sun drying, untying, and twisting. Pattern adjusting. Now I'm following the warp. Sorry, untwisting, pattern adjusting, washing, coating, sun drying, slaying, drawing on, threading, uh, and then I think I'm back on the weft. So then the weft follows washing, coating, sun drying, dividing, and winding. And then, so now we are at weaving. So you see, it's so many preparations before you are in the actual loom. And then it's weaving, and then cutting off and folding, shrinking, rinsing, drying, folding, quality control finished. So that's 31 steps. Wow, Uh, it's a stunning amount of work that goes into the fabric. Wow. 
Yeah. And of course, also in every process, there are so many things that we cannot really describe in words, but are, that you have to know about to get it right. So yeah. it's been extremely interesting and impressive to be be able to. We're so grateful that the lectures really like we have been standing next to them while they have been working, and it's been so mm. amazing to see all these things happening. Mm. Uh, it's hard to help out, but we have been helping. A little bit, at least. What did it feel like when your first fabric started coming off the looms? Uh, okay, I can't Aww. describe it. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, having, like having a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's our baby. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm. But I can also feel like as a craft person, I, this is my first ever to to only be like my role is designer or our role is to to design this. Mm. And we are not the actual craftsmen in this project. And as craftsmen, I at least feel that it's been very, uh, like, strange. Not as, like only in a negative way, but for me it's been very uh, different to not be the one weaving the fabric. So now when we have all of these meters of fabric, I feel like I kind of need to spend one week just staring at every, like, mm. inch of it mm. in the same way do when you weave it like because mm -hmm. when you cut out uh, even if it's 20 meters of fabric that you've woven yourself when I look at that fabric I can recognize every centimeter because I know that I have looked at this while I'm weaving but now we have like what do we have 280 meters of fabric that mm -hmm. I haven't seen all of it and I feel like now I need to like just look at my baby for a week mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful so you're you're creating this for exhibitions both in Sweden and Japan. Have you shown in both places yet? Yes, yeah, we have so far one uh, exhibit. Uh, we have done one exhibition in Sweden at the school where we studied. They also have a gallery or two galleries. So we exhibited at Atelier uh, at Kapellagården this uh, May. It was in May. April. In, in April. Yeah, in the yeah April until May. Mm. And then we had an exhibition uh, closing the 6th of June here in Osaka, at where we are right now actually at Asita Room in Osaka. Mm -hmm. You can say it in Japanese. <laughs> Asita Room, yeah. Uh, the, like a gallery which is owned by a um, graphic design company, uh, like creative, uh, creative agency or creative, uh, creative groups who makes uh, advertising. Uh, where I have uh, one of my older colleagues and uh, then we have one more exhibition uh, going on right now going on right now Muji. the Muji uh, store Muji Grand Front uh, here in Osaka yes. so and that exhibition is going on right now and this weekend the 16th and 17th of June we will have a workshop there Mm. Uh, together with, yeah, I don't know who, it was, I think it's main or only Japanese uh, yeah. Yeah, joining, but it would be fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Are there different reactions? Do you notice that people react differently in the different countries that are seeing these pieces? Yeah, that's uh, quite a big difference. I was, I was, uh, just Lisa came two days before and mm. uh, she hasn't met so many uh Visitors, yeah, no, but but uh, oh, there was quite big difference because um, uh, when we showed uh, our fabrics and our processes in Sweden, 
that was totally new for them. Mm. Uh, Kasuri uh, or Igat is very uncommon in Sweden. Yeah, few people know about it. So yes, but in Japan, even though it was like uh, inspired by Swedish weaving design, it was uh, uh, Igat, so uh, Japanese traditional Igat fabric. So it was uh, very familiar for them somehow. Mm. Mm. Hmm. That's uh, so for this exhibition, we also brought some Swedish traditional textiles to yeah. show like the the source of inspiration. That wasn't mm. really needed in Sweden because everyone knows those techniques, or mm. most people knows the techniques, or at least the expression is like uh, people recognize it. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> uh, yes, that it was needed in Japan, of course, but. You didn't need to show it in Sweden. Mm. Have you seen, you have seen uh, uh, our textile, right? I have, and I'm going to put links to your Instagram and to your website in the show notes for this episode so that people who are listening can go look at it, yeah. That's that's amazing, thanks. Yeah. Uh, what, feel, what did you think, if, was it really Japanese or was it really Swedish? <laughs> or what's your exp uh, first, um, impression? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think um, my own experience is that I think I'm a little bit more familiar with ikat and Japanese textiles than knowing what Swedish traditional textiles look like. So I felt like I could see more of the Japanese influences. Yeah. Um, but the, the colors seemed really different to me and not what I think of as traditional Japanese textiles. But of course, I don't know that much about traditional Japanese textiles either. But I would just love like the way you guys write and talk about your work and also the work itself and the way you're bringing those traditions together. I think it's really beautiful and powerful. Oh, thank you. Me a lot, yes. <laughs> with the colors are actually to to show both the Swedish and the Japanese so it's uh, the blue Japan. yeah the blue one is representing of course an indigo Japanese uh, indigo yeah, yeah that's very common Tradition. color here uh, and the orange or reddish color is uh, representing the the Swedish uh, red the fall red mm. as we say sorry now it's a police car <laughs> <Sorry now. laughs> Yeah, which is uh, traditional Swedish house. Yeah, house yeah exactly. It's the, uh, well, we put it on everything, actually. But it's mainly the house. And the, 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 the today, that red color is a bit more warm red. Like, it's not as orange. Mm. But the origin is it's, you're trying to uh, mimic the, the, the brick red. So that's more orange, because that was very, like, luxurious in the <laughs> really, like, way back. Mm. So... We try to make it a bit more uh, looking like that color because that's mm. the origin. Um, mm. So it's the Swedish red and the Japanese indigo. That's yeah. the colors. <laughs> but that's actually something maybe we should think about too in our in our Instagram account or maybe on the webpage to show a little bit more of the inspiration because yeah. since we are have this is kind of a since we are both living in Sweden I think we are thinking that everyone knows the Swedish already but yeah. now we are getting more like international followers as well so maybe mm. we should have a little Swedish slice yeah, yeah I think that would be beautiful I think that would that would help people understand it more yeah yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. So can you tell where people can go online and on social media to learn more about your work? 
Of course. Our Instagram account is our, the name of the project, Intertradition, and Intertradition in Swedish. Uh, and the webpage is www.intertradition.com. And uh, I think you can find all the information there. Right now, we are also uh, featured on the embassy page since this, this year is the 150th celebration of diplomatic relations between Sweden and Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is this like events page uh, featured of um, the, the embassy, the uh, Swedish embassy in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And so there you can also see our exhibitions in, in Japan right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, actually, I don't know the page, but I think it's linked on our website. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you visit our webpage, you find all the information. Mm -hmm. We also have a calendar on the webpage where you can follow our uh, past and coming events. Mm -hmm. So that could be workshops or uh, exhibitions yeah, or other things we're doing. Coming exhibitions in uh, uh, October or November. Yeah, in October we have our next Swedish exhibition in Stockholm at Fiberspace Gallery in Södermalm uh, in, in Stockholm. So please come to that. It's the fourth of October is the opening. And then we uh, we're gonna have after the uh, Hyper Spaces exhibition, we're gonna have um, a final exhibition in uh, Fukuoka where yeah. the weaving mill is. Yeah. So we're going back to the to the place where the weaving mill is to have our final exhibition there, and mm. uh, then we will also have a a, a workshop. Yeah. And uh, try to have some like we want to have some kind of activity together with all the exhibitions all the time. Mm. So when we have the exhibition at Capella Gordon on Erlang, we also together with the textile department there we had a workshop in like kind of crash course, Kasuri crash course. Mm. So we're trying to have some activity to really like um, to to uh, spread the knowledge of the technique in one way or another. Mm. It's also uh, the la the purpose, the biggest purpose for our last exhibition in Fukuoka is to show our works and our projects to those people who worked for us. Yes, mm -hmm. we mills and we have met so many people uh, during this uh, yeah, uh, project processes yeah. and. Uh, then we may uh, we got so much, so many new opportunities for uh, to be able to show uh, at the gallery or to visit or mm. like to uh, yeah, get really, introduced by someone else or yeah. But, yeah. it's really amazing to see how the fabric itself kind of takes us to new places mm. so the reason to make the reason of this project or like the the main uh, the aim of the project was never really to make a fabric. There was just a way for us to, to be able to see all the processes of this craft. So we were thinking like, okay, but if we make a fabric, then we will be able to follow our fabric and then we can see all the mm. processes. And now it feels like the fabric is kind of the result of all of these meetings with these amazing craftspeople and other like interesting artists that we have mm. been able to meet mm. and that are our friends today. It's mm. really... Mm -hmm. Amazing. So, yes. uh, and also it's like continue to take us to new places through social media or people visiting our exhibitions and see it. So it's really fun to, there is no, like when we started this project, we didn't have like, there was no really frames or, or an end or there were no clear, we, we had our idea and what we wanted to do, but 
we wanted to like kind of uh, like keep the doors open and uh, to see where the fabric can take us. And now we've been working with this for two years, and it feels like we can. It's really up to us to when to end this because there are so many new ideas coming all the time. Mm-hmm. So, it's really fun. Are you going to work on a new a new exhibit after this this set of exhibits, or have you not yeah. decided yet? Actually, this is uh, the first stage of our project. Yeah, mm-hmm. now we're exhibiting the first stage that we call because... an international fabric. The next phase or the next step is kind of where we take the concept of inter-tradition back to our own workshops and continue work is working as individual artists. Yeah, so. since we are working as an individual artist, normally uh, we would like to make out of uh, this fabric or leftover of this fabric, like yarns yeah. or tying threads or those yeah. kind of things. Like mm-hmm. There are so many, like quite much material coming out of the, like a rest product from the, the um, production. Uh, like the tying yarn is very beautiful pattern as well. Uh, and there's, there are these different things that we are, uh, as Shogo said, that we are very inspired about, uh, inspired to continue working with in some way. Mm. Uh, and also since I'm a weaver and Shogo is working with clothes uh, or garments, we, we're thinking to take the concept back into those professions in one way mm. or another. So for the exhibition at Fiber Space in Stockholm, we will show the process and the fabric, but we will also show our own uh, work. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And the processes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, you mean processes of our own work or processes of the fabric? Both. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's been so much fun to talk to you. I wish I could talk to you all day. It's a really inspiring (laughs) project and collaboration and partnership that you both are doing. And I think people are going to be excited to hear your story. I'm wondering if we could close, if you have any advice or words of wisdom that you would share with other weavers out there. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. But um, I feel like, what I take with me maybe strongest from this project is uh, that collaboration is very, very interesting in so many ways. And I was kind of like, oh, are we really going to do this mm-hmm. <laughs> in the beginning? Because you can have this idea of like uh, that it can be so hard to work together with others because maybe you want, you're very like, you have a strong opinion of what you want to do. But I feel like this is the best Thing in textile that I have ever done so far because it's when you when you're starting to let go a little bit and open up to mm. other like ideas you can get so much back so this was this has been so interesting mm-hmm. yeah we are we are going to work with this project maybe we're gonna finish this project in uh, in this winter but we are going to keep working with this cut this project with different, maybe different traditional craft or different uh, from different countries. Mm. Mm. So yeah. that's uh, what we want to do. We want to work with uh, by our own, and we want to work with other craft people. That's um, yeah, that's uh, life for us. Yeah. I think. Mm. Well, thank you both yes. for taking the time to talk to me today. It was really great. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. It was so honored to talk to you. That's a wrap.
might I suggest that you immediately head to the show notes? You have to see this beautiful fabric we've been discussing, and you'll also find links to their website and Instagram and the website of the Japanese mill they partner with. You can find the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 21. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking with Susan Horton, the editor of Handwoven Magazine. We discuss how the magazine has changed over the years, what a week in the life of editing Handwoven Magazine is like, her tips for people who want to submit projects to the magazine, and so much more. You definitely do not want to miss this one, so tune in next Monday, and until next time, happy weaving! Thank you.